Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to you if you have a mom or you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to call my mom. Don't call her right now because, you know, you might find out some good stuff. So as we get started, I'm Rob, if we haven't met yet. As we get started, I want you to take a look at a picture that I saw this last week. Um, We're going to put up a couple of them. So first, first one, and if you're visually impaired, we'll talk about those in a moment. So, and the second one, anybody seen this before or know what this is? Yes? All right, what, what is it? It's a baby drop box. You're right. It is a baby drop box. You can take a baby and you can place it in this box and um, the, a silent alarm will go off and someone will come and grab that baby and make sure that it's okay. It is called a safe haven. What thoughts or feelings do you have when you look at a picture like that? Sad? Prison? Sick? Insecurity? Thankful there's a safe place, yeah? Yeah, and actually, all 50 states have safe haven laws. Just so we know, I didn't know this, but you can actually, in any of our 50 states, you can drop off a baby that you don't, for whatever reason, no questions asked, without fear of prosecution, you can drop this baby off in all of our 50 states, and I think it's at most uh, fire stations, police stations, and hospitals. And they will take the baby, and they will make sure that it gets care. But for some people... They need more anonymity than going to a hospital or a fire station or a police station. And um, can we go back to the, the woman that was in there? And, and so this lady wanted to make sure that uh, Monica Kelsey is her name, and she wanted to make sure that though, for those people that needed that anonymity or, you know, as I thought about it, I think uh, shame comes to mind that there's this shame that might come over someone so that they can't even face the other person. And that goes all the way back to the garden. If we wanted to be here till two o'clock, I could tell you some fabulous stories about how the garden connects with this. But for the most part, just go with me on the fact that when we do something that we think is wrong, guilty, we run and usually want to hide, but that's where shame comes in because guilt says you did something wrong, shame says you are wrong or you are bad. And so for some people, just, there's so much shame that, that this lady wanted to make sure, she spent years and years working on this to make sure that kids would have a safe place. Now you, I, you might not like it, you might like it. The, the point that I think is pretty phenomenal is this was dedicated a couple weeks ago actually on the anniversary of, of when Monica was dropped off at a hospital by her birth mom, same day. And Monica turned out pretty okay, it looks like, as, a, as an orphan. I don't know if you know what it's like to be an orphan, what the challenges that orphans face, but just for a moment, if we could just think about it, what it would be like to have that kind of insecurity what it would be like to wonder about your parents. Why did they not keep me? Why could they not raise me? What happened? 
And that's, that's a big deal, to be an orphan. But I think it's just as big of a deal to be a spiritual orphan. Think about that, being a spiritual orphan. What are the challenges to living this life that Jesus called us to as a spiritual orphan? See, I think spiritual orphans are at an all-time record high, and we are in desperate need of people to influence us and people that we can influence. This is what I think the scriptures call us to. This is what I think the life of Jesus calls us to, and this is where we're going today. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We started this series a couple weeks ago called Outlasters. People who outlast is the definition of an outlaster. Yes, we made up the term. But we talked about the first week, what will happen when you pass on? Will there be anything more to this life? And we believe there will be. Then we talked about what kind of faith we will pass on. And we we talked about the fact that the only kind of faith we can pass on is the kind we practice. And this week, we come to this question that I think is prompted by 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I think it's prompted by this reality that so many people in the world have spiritual orphans or are spiritual orphans. It's who will you pass on your faith to? So as you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 1, I think it's important to know that um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 is written three to five years after 1 Timothy, that letter to Timothy. A lot's happened in the difference between the two letters. When Paul wrote Timothy, the first letter, he was on house arrest awaiting trial in Rome. He had a lot of privileges in house arrest. He had a guard, but he could um, have visitors come and go frequently. He could write letters back and forth to people, and, and things were pretty all right. So he didn't have a problem living out in this bold faith. Sometime after he was released, and when this letter is written, Rome burned, and, and some say it burned to the ground, and the emperor blamed the Christians. And so following Christ, believing and following Christ, went from being difficult to dangerous, and in that time, a lot of Timothy or a lot of Paul's coworkers and disciples or protégés, what they did is they just started to take a backseat with their faith. They went to being secret agents or silent agents rather than kingdom contributors. And Paul's distraught. So Paul keeps living it out, but then he gets arrested. He ends up in prison a second time, and this time it's a little different than it was before. This time, he's not on house arrest. He's, some would say he's in this dungeon area where it's very hard to have, have um, people come to visit him. And, and he's heard about all these people who've literally deserted him. And so he's writing to Timothy, and he's writing to encourage him in his faith to live out what he actually believes and to pass it on to those around him. And so I think this text really prompts us to ask the question, who will we pass on our faith to? So before I read it, let's just pause and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and our minds to give us guidance. Uh, Father, we thank you, first of all, that we can call you Father. May we not miss that this morning. Yes, on a day that's Mother's Day, we know that you're our mother, but um, we often address you as Father. God, thank you for being a parent to us, and I pray that you would speak to us through your word and through this time together, that your words would come through my lips, 
and that things that are of me would fade away. God, help us to hear with spiritual ears and to see with spiritual eyes and to have our lives changed by your spirit in our hearts. Amen. Chapter one starts in the second letter of Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, in keeping with the will of God according to the promises of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and of Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God when I, of whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm persuaded lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God gave us not a spirit of timidity, but gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. He's called us and he has saved us into a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ before the beginning of time, but now but now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, was destroy, who has destroyed death, has brought life and immortality to light through his gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that's why I'm suffering as I am. And yet I know it's no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. You know, Paul realizes as he's writing this that he was chosen by God's will and he was chosen according to God's promise of life in Christ. So as I was studying this, there's this word according that keeps coming up as you read it in the original languages and it kind of frames how we'll go through this. And so the first one is according to the promise of life in Christ. And Paul realizes that he was chosen by God, but he realizes also that he wasn't a spiritual orphan. As he thinks back and looks back on his life, he thinks about this, this idea that, that he, yes, chose God, and yes, saw the risen Jesus in a vision, that he was startled on this road to Damascus. He was going to go persecute Christians, and he was stopped in his tracks. He was shocked by the words of the risen Jesus, but then he was actually comforted by the people of Jesus. And so in that moment, he recalls how Ananias welcomed him into the faith. He remembers when Barnabas, when Barnabas brought him to Peter, to James, the brother of Jesus, and to all the apostles in Jerusalem, and brought him in and encouraged him and taught him the ways of Jesus. And he remembers the time where Barnabas said, hey, let's go on this mission trip together. And so all of that is coming to fruition as he's remembering who he is and the part of family that he's in. See, even Paul, the great, great apostle, had people to learn from. And one of my mentors, Mark, some of you might, might know him, 
Mark Spencer said, everybody needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. As we think about who we will pass on our faith to, I I want us to just kind of think in those terms, and I think the text supports this, but a Paul, a Paul to learn from, a Barnabas to walk with, and a Timothy to pass on the faith to. And so, there are people, I believe, that God has placed in your life that can influence you or that you can influence. And you get to choose whether it's for the better, for the worse, or for eternity. And so we look at this and we see Paul saying, not only that I'm chosen by God, but that I'm in this family of Christ, but also Timothy, I've chosen you to invest in as my dear son. Now, Paul wasn't Timothy's dad. Paul actually remembers Timothy's dad. In Acts 16, we learn that that Timothy's dad was Greek and his mother was a Jewish believer. And when they find him, Paul wants to take Timothy with and they realize where they're gonna go. They're gonna go to this, they're gonna go to all these Jewish synagogues to go tell them about their Messiah. And so he's like, okay, you gotta be circumcised because of where we're gonna go. It's just gonna happen, which means that they didn't practice the faith. That's what the circumcision reference is about. So Timothy might not have had a bad dad, but he was not a spiritually involved dad because he didn't, he didn't even, not just that he wasn't following the customs, but he didn't even allow his mother to follow the customs. But Paul also says that I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm persuaded lives in you. And we see in chapter three, Paul says to continue in what you've learned and what you've been convinced of, Timothy, because you know those whom you've learned it from. And he says, and how from infancy you were taught the holy scriptures. Get that picture. How from infancy you were taught the holy scriptures. Now, do you think, for this is a question for all your moms out there, as you're changing diapers and rocking people to bed and doing that, not that dads can't be involved, but just for the moms for a second, do you think that Timothy's mother, that Eunice was sitting around saying, oh, Timothy, if you could just memorize Psalm 119, you you know, that the word would be a lamp unto your feet, do you think that she was thinking that 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, her son would continue to be talked about as a model for what it means to live in Christ? Moms and dads, and I'm talking not just actual physical, but spiritual. When you teach kids and people who are far from God, the word of God, the story of God, the power of God, and the spirit of God, you have no idea just how far it will go. As mom is sitting there trying to get Timmy to, to memorize the Psalms, she has no, no idea. But it's because she had, Timothy had a Paul to learn from. Literally Paul, who took him with. Who, who is nothing like Timothy. The two people, as you, if you were to study them, are very different. But he chooses him and invests in him. But he's also got, Timothy's also got this whole family of faith. He's got this mother who's teaching him the scriptures. This grandmother who's teaching him the scriptures. 
Timothy has a Paul to learn from. Do you have a Paul to learn from? Have you had a Paul to learn from? I, was, I grew up in this little Presbyterian church, not that I'm trying to diss Presbyterians, but I got to hear, um, I got to hear in the car as we drove home if the, if the sermon went longer than seven minutes. Um, and I got to confess my faith because we had this liturgy, um, but I really never got to hear much about at least my need for Jesus and the lordship of Jesus and never the power of the Holy Spirit. But there was this one lady who knew Jesus and had the power of the Holy Spirit and she was in this, this little church that I grew up in and she taught confirmation alongside the pastor who I believe knew Jesus and I believe had the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but I saw faith through this woman. She is a Paul and she's the first Paul I can remember and I'm eternally grateful for her. I know someone I've learned it from. The next one I remember is Eric. Eric was a navigator's Bible study leader in my college when I was 20 years old. And Eric asked me on the second time I went if I'd like to go out for lunch in the cafeteria, and we did, and he asked me questions about my life and my goals and my major and my faith, and then I got to ask him about his goals and his major. Wait, he, he had already graduated, and his faith, and all of a sudden, I started to learn from this ordinary guy who is just a few years older than me, who just took some time to invest in me, and I learned so much from him. Who are the Pauls in your life? And if you don't know, have you asked God? See, I think the scripture, this one talks about looking back at God's promises that were spoken to Paul and spoken to Timothy. Who are the people that have spoken God's promises into your life? If you look back, you might find out who your Pauls are. If you still don't know, though, you can ask God to know who those people are, to know the impact that they might have had or will have on your life. So ask them, and if you're not sure, test it out. Ask somebody to have a conversation. It doesn't have to be formal. You don't have to sit down and say, will you please be my mentor? Because most people will freak out. They won't be able to understand the expectations involved, and so they'll just say no. But if you just say, hey, can, will you have a conversation with me? You'll start something informal. And as conversations go and as things click and you take the initiative and you make time in your schedule, that person will start to pour more and more and more into your life. Who are the Pauls you can learn from? And don't forget about distance ed. The Holy Spirit can work through podcasts, can work through blogs, can work through books, and you can get immense learning from other people who've gone before us who might be long since dead. But I have a huge library of people that have impacted my faith who passed away long ago because their books remain. Let's not forget the history that God still works in. So outlasters are aware of the people that are behind them, that they have, taught, they have been taught by, but I think also outlasters are aware of the people around them. And so people around them might be these people that we'd call Barnabases, 
people that walk with us, people that encourage us, people that join with us, people that are our peers. If we look at the next part of the scripture that talks about the according to, it says in verse eight, Timothy, join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. See, there's this sense that Paul is saying, don't just try and live this on your own. Join with me in it. He knows that it's really hard to do on our own. It's not, it's not that it's complicated. It's just that it's difficult to live a life of integrity under the power of the Holy Spirit in the world that we live in. And so he's saying, join with me in this. And he's remembering. He's remembering the fact that many have deserted him. And he uses this word shame a couple, three or four times in the scriptures. Don't be ashamed of this. The power of the God. The power that God puts in us is not the spirit of timidity, but of power, of love. And see, there's this reality that the people around at the time that this is written are ashamed of the gospel because they're ashamed of the cross. Because crucifixion was reserved for the worst criminals. Even pagan religions wouldn't even speak of the cross. They wouldn't even speak of crucifixion because of the scandal that it was. And I think some, somehow that's lost as we go through history. That we forget just what it means to speak about the cross of Christ. And it's still so fresh at this time. So some people are ashamed of the cross. Others are just ashamed of Paul being in prison. It's people not that different than saying, well, if you believe in Jesus and that didn't go well for you, then God must not be as big as he is. And there are people at the time that are ashamed of Paul because he's in prison and he's speaking about this God who is the God of the Old Testament who promised this Messiah and if Jesus is the Messiah, then why is he in prison? And they're ashamed of Paul. And there are some just that slide back. Have you thought about what it means to really live the good news of Jesus? Not just believe it, but live it. I mean, I think in this little section of this letter, we see glimpses of people who are like okay with believing in Jesus, but not necessarily okay with living for Jesus, especially if it means suffering. Huh, we thought that was just a 21st century reality. But in this, there is shame associated with suffering. Kind of reminds me of Peter. If you remember Peter, Peter's the disciple of Jesus that is always the first to speak. And Peter says to Jesus right before he dies, I will go with you to prison and even death. And Jesus says, you're gonna deny me three times. And sure enough, later that night, what happens? Peter goes and follows Jesus as he's imprisoned. And soldiers and servant girls ask him if they know Jesus. And he's like, no, I have no idea. Why? Because of the shame of suffering. Now, the great, great devotional writer, Oswald Chambers, he says that to, let me make sure I get this quote right, to choose to suffer means there is something wrong, but to choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is something completely different altogether. Do we really, really think about what stops us from living the good news of Jesus? Is there any kind of shame in saying that you're a follower of Jesus? Is there any kind of fear in in saying that you're a follower of Jesus? 
Is there anything that keeps you from passing on that faith? And if there is, hey, guess what? Welcome to reality. There was for Peter. There was for Timothy. He has a whole list of reasons. There is for everyone. That's why Paul says, join with me. Find a group of people to do this with, to encourage you and to endure with, because it's hard. And yes, Paul had Barnabas. They had, he had Barnabas to go on these trips with, to be encouraged by, to be challenged by, to be prayed for, to endure suffering with. But don't forget, Timothy, Timothy didn't do this alone. It wasn't just Timothy and Paul. There was a whole crew of people. They had Luke there. They had Titus there. They had this guy named Erastus there. They had Onesiphus there. If you look through the letters that Paul writes, you'll see a whole list of people. These were people that were walking alongside Timothy, doing this work that God had laid out, that Paul was leading them in and training them, in, and he does not do this alone. We can't do this alone. Who are the people that you can walk with, that you can be totally honest with, that you can be encouraged by, that you can be challenged by, because we can't, can't do it alone. And the scriptures show it. Moses had Aaron, right? Mary had Martha. David had Jonathan. We all need people to encourage us. We need people to do this. Even if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got to have people around us. Paul, I mean, Timothy had a whole, whole list of reasons why it would have been too hard for him. First of all, he had his dad. Then he had this messed up town, Lystra, where when Paul and Barnabas come in, they get called Greek gods and people start bowing down and worshiping them. That's a crazy place. And then he had this weak stomach and Paul has to write in 1 Timothy 5, you know, you just need to drink a little wine because of your frequent illnesses and your weak stomach. Like he's a sickly little young man. And for instance, being a young man, lots of people thought Timothy was too young. He had, he had probably more reasons than you or I do but he did it, and he did it because he didn't just have a Paul to learn from. He looked around, and he realized, hey, I have a Barnabas to walk with. Who could be your Barnabas to walk with? Lastly, this last according to promise thing is in verse nine, and it says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but by his own purpose and grace. See, Paul isn't just looking behind at the promises spoken to him and to Timothy. He's not just looking around to who, see who can join in in the suffering and living out of this gospel. He's looking ahead and saying, you know what? What is God doing this for? Why, have he, why has he purposed this? What does his grace have to do with this? And he realizes that if I don't pass this on to someone else, then it dies with me. I've got to find a Timothy to pass my faith on to. And he had a Timothy, and he had lots of other people that were not named Timothy, but fulfill that same purpose. And he looked ahead to see who it was. Now, as we look around, who are those people to us? And just for, just for making sure that I get the point across here, as he talks about this gospel, he says, this is why I'm suffering, and yet it's no cause for shame in verse 12 because I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. So what did he entrust to Jesus? What did Paul entrust that he's so confident that this will work? See, as I look at this, I think that 
Paul has an amazing understanding of, of the Bible because he was a, a, a rabbi at one point. He learned the scriptures from infancy as well. But he also has an amazing relationship with Jesus. He's had at least six different like, visible, visible revelations of the risen Jesus. I mean, that's not just the power of the Holy Spirit. That's just pretty amazing. And yet that's not what he entrusts. He's entrusting God's purposes in grace of the truth of what this life is. That's the good news. The message of Jesus' salvation and the kingdom of God. He's entrusting that, that the Holy Spirit will keep that in the people that he's invested in and that that can't be taken away. That's what I think he's entrusting to them. And so that's why he's able to say, after some examples of loyalty and disloyalty at the end of the chapter, that's why he's able to say in chapter two, verse one, therefore, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. And therefore, what you have seen in me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people, same word, who will be able to teach others. He knows that in order for this to last, it's got to pass on to others who will pass it on. And so he has a Paul to learn from. He has a Barnabas to walk with. And then he has a Timothy to pass it on to. And Timothy, you're being called to teach it to reliable people who will be able to teach it to others. Do you see the generations that are in that scripture? This is the life of an outlaster. This is what we do. So it's, next week we'll talk about how do we pass on that faith. What, what does that specifically look like? But this week, before we have the how, we should have a who. Because all of us are limited Limited in our time, limited in our giftings. The Holy Spirit of God is, an, uh, is unlimited, but we are limited. So we have to invest wisely. Because I can help a lot of people a little bit, and you can too. You're all gifted. You all have access to the same Holy Spirit that I do. But if we want to impact people, if we want it to outlast, we've got to invest wisely. So, I think that starts with, in fact, there's a little bookmark in your worship folder. I think it starts with asking God. God, who are the people that you've placed near me? Maybe they're people that live in your house. Because, friends, there, in my house, there are three, four people that if, if I don't impact those people, then I have failed as a pastor. I, I, would, I would even venture to say that I have greatly failed as a believer in Christ. Now, you can do with that what you would like, but the Holy Spirit will give you what you need as you think about that. And guess what? It is not up to just us. The power of God works in our failures as well as in our successes. My kids have heard me say, will you forgive me? probably more than they say, do you see how much your dad knows about the Holy Spirit? Do you see how much your dad knows about the Bible? No, they hear, did you see how I made a mistake there? So don't think you have to come with just your successes, but see the people right around you. Ask God to give you eyes to see, because there might not be very many people who live in your house. Maybe because you live alone, maybe because they've all moved out. There's still people near you that God wants you to impact for his glory and his good. So ask him. But then, 
after you ask God, maybe you start to get this list um, and use the bookmark for it. That's why we put it in there. Who's faithful? Who does what they say they're going to do and actually finishes the job? Who are people that you can count on? Those, you need faithful people. My, um, my youth ministry training called it, look for fat junior high kids. Who's not fat in junior high? It's like a super awkward stage. But faithful, available, and teachable. That's the kind of people we should look for. So faithful people do what they say they're going to do. Available people actually might be busy people. They might be high-capacity people, but they're people who can make time and who will make time for you. They're not always people that have a lot of free time, but they're willing to make the time. And then finally, teachable people. These are people who realize that, that you have something to share with them, which isn't about you, it's about what God's given you. But they're willing to listen, and even willing to be corrected. Faithful, available, teachable, because it's not up to us. It's up to the Holy Spirit, but we got to do our part. And Paul is an amazing example of an outlaster, someone who's done his part in every way. I would never have ended up in that church, and I'd never have ended up in that Bible study had it not been for my mother and my grandmother, because my mom was adopted. My mom could actually spend time answering the question of what it's like to grow up, not just as a spiritual orphan, but as an orphan. And yet, she was adopted by this family who loved Jesus. And my grandmother and grandfather put enough faith in my mom to bring us to a place to put enough faith in me to go to this class that would talk about what it meant to have a relationship with the God of the universe, to have the power of the Spirit in my life, and see people that can live this out to get me to where I am today. And it's not about me. I'm just sharing my story as one example, just like the scripture shares this story of this example. Because as you put in and you have people influence you and you influence others, you just never know how far it's going to go. Would you pray with me? Father, God, as we look at this bookmark of people that we might influence, God, some of us might be overwhelmed. Some of us might just hear the, the words of, of an enemy saying, You're, who are you to influence? You're not adequate. You can't do this. But God, I pray that even greater, we would hear the power of your spirit saying, in all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I pray that we'd hear the power of your spirit saying, it is in my weakness that I am made strong. It is in my weakness that your glory comes through more clearly. And Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, not just about who we can influence and who we can write down this sheet, but that you would speak to our hearts about what it means to be adopted as your children, as your sons and daughters, not because of what we've done and not because of what we deserve, but because of what your son has done. So I pray, God, on this Mother's Day, that we would praise you for bringing us into a family. And I would ask that you would help us to receive that if we've never received that. And we would say yes, Jesus, to you to receive the eternal 
the eternal promises, but also to receive your Holy Spirit and to receive a holy family that's not perfect, but is yours. That we could treat each other as brothers and sisters and that the world could know us by our love. Because that might be the biggest influence that we can have. So speak to us now on what you would have us to do with this.